Welcome to Vineyard Hopkinton. As we follow Jesus together, we experience the Holy Spirit, create a multicultural community, and pursue kingdom of God justice. Church, uh, you know, I don't know what uh, you had for dinner last uh, Monday night. I don't know if you can recall what you had for dinner last Monday night. Um, And as I'm asking this question, I'm thinking, what did I have for dinner last Monday night? And I actually have no clue what I had for dinner last Monday night. <laughs> I mean, it's just like that. But I do know this, that I, in all probability, had something that was nutritional. I mean, I, I probably, hopefully, had veggies and maybe some fruit. And uh, knowing myself, I probably definitely had meat of some sort. But, I mean, I had something that was nutritional, uh, even though I can't remember what it, exactly what it was. On the other hand, if I ask you this question, can you recall a really spectacular meal that you've had at some point in your life? Uh, And, uh, you know, you will remember where that was and who you were with and why it was spectacular. Well, I say that because for me, church is similar to that. Meaning, you can come to church and you might not even remember what the sermon was last week. I mean, I am not going to put you to the test. Uh, You might not even remember who preached last week. But let me tell you this. It was really, really good. And uh, if you can remember it, you're ahead of the class uh, because most people probably can't. Uh, But... You were spiritually nourished and fed, even if you can't remember all the facts of the, of the sermon. Uh, it was beneficial for you. Now, there might be other occasions where something spectacular happened in church. I mean, like, unbelievable. And you can remember exactly when it happened, what was said, how it impacted you. I mean, it might have been something totally miraculous, But there'll be those occasions that you can recall. And so it's like like that with food. Most occasions you just have food and you don't recall what it was. uh, But occasionally it's just spectacular and it's life-changing and you definitely remember everything. Uh, You know, for me, I... I just love church. Let me just uh, get it out there. Uh, And when I was reflecting back on my life, I realized that some of the most important and most significant events in my life have happened either in church or in some church-related meeting or event. Uh, Firstly, coming to know Jesus. I was 28 years old. It happened in church and through church. Uh, it, It totally changed my life for the better. Uh, Marrying my wife, uh, I I was not uh, sort of on track to get married. Totally happened in church, uh, and I'm certainly glad that it did. Uh, The the best job that I ever had before coming into full-time ministry, uh, I got that job by being in a men's group a Christian men's group 
and I wasn't there to network. I was there to connect with Jesus. And in meeting people in the group, uh, I ended up getting just an incredible uh, job. It was, it was totally miraculous. God just put it together. What I am saying is, uh, church, you know, we come to church, or I come to church seeking Jesus. I didn't come to church, in my particular case, I know some do, uh, looking for a girlfriend. Or, or uh, I don't come to church uh, to kind of network and say, okay, how's this going to work for my business contacts? Although that might happen too. I mean, I don't come to church, uh, I, well, I didn't come to church uh, because I needed more social life or because I needed more friends. I, I, I've, I came to church and I keep coming to church because I want to encounter Jesus. Somehow or other, I want to connect with Jesus. I want to experience Jesus. Now, all those other things seem to happen while I'm in church. I mean, I've met amazing people. Like you've, many of you are my very dear, closest friends. And, and uh, it's super meaningful to me to have these great relationships. But as I said, uh, it's sort of the byproduct of pursuing and loving Jesus. So uh, you might uh, not be surprised, but today I want to talk about church. And uh, the point I want to make is that church is actually God's idea. I mean, I know this is amazingly revelationary type stuff. I mean, you would never expect somebody to say something like this. Uh, a preacher talking and saying a church is great and it's God's idea. Well, eh, this might be a very mundane service for you because I just want to tell you how great church is and what a good idea it is. And I uh, also want to talk about why you should miss out on it. But I also realize that, uh, you know, I've invited many people to church and very few people come. <laughs> and it's very frustrating, quite honestly, because I keep thinking of how incredibly blessed and, and how they'll be benefited if they come to church. Or if it's not them, it'll be their kids. Uh, and they don't. But I do realize uh, that I need to change the way I'm inviting people to church. Uh, I remember speaking to this one guy and I invited him to church. And he said to me, no, I don't want to come to church. I don't need a bigger social group. And I was like, wait I, I'm not inviting you to come to church to have more friends, a bigger social group. I'm inviting you to get to know Jesus. And this sort of changed my way that I'm now inviting people to church. Instead of saying, come to church because it's all these good ideas, I, I found that it's a little bit harder, but it's a little bit better if I just say, do you want to experience who Jesus is? Come to church. Now, all the other things might happen. Now, quite honestly, it's a lot harder when you're inviting people and you say, come and experience Jesus, or do you want to know more about Jesus? It's easier to say, come and listen to our great worship and whatever else we do on a Sunday morning, what fun it is. But really, the draw card is Jesus. And uh, if we can experience Jesus, if we can uh, encounter Jesus, it's, it's life-changing. I also realize that it is a huge challenge to come to church for the first time. I mean, we all feel comfortable that come here regularly. We know what to expect, and we like it, and we like the people. But I don't know how it was for you the first time that you came, or if today is the first time that you came. 
that you've come. Uh, it's super helpful that we've got uh, video feed service because now almost everybody that's coming to church for the first time has first checked us out through the online feed. Uh, but recently, we were, my wife and I were doing missions work in Spain, and uh, we were in an area where they, there wasn't any church for us to attend on Sunday, so I was very excited to go and, in, and visit all the local churches in the city. Um, my wife uh, probably wasn't quite as excited as I was, but I, I mean, I just, for me, it's always a great opportunity. I mean, being a pastor, I'm here uh, most Sundays, I don't go visit other churches. And so I, I did a lot of exploring which churches I wanted to meet and go and visit. But let me tell you, even as a pastor going to a church, it's intimidating. It's like, okay, what is this church going to be like? Uh, is it going to be overwhelming? Is it going to be underwhelming? Is it going to be like just straight out weird? Uh, or is it going to be super, super boring? I mean, there's just a lot of barriers of uh, wanting to come to church. And so I realized that uh, it's no easy feat coming to church. But yet, at the same time, when we visited these other churches, I was just extremely blessed. I mean, some of the random, seemingly random uh, events that happened and contacts that happened were massively uh, rewarding. Not only rewarding, I mean, I'm still enjoying some of the, the things that happened and the people that I met, the people that I met. I mean, just talk about God doing supernatural things in very natural ways. The people that you meet accidentally uh, that God might just have a plan for is incredible. But this is the thing. God, Jesus, works through the church, and He works through you and I. And so it's the ordinary, uh, it's the people that make the extraordinary and the connection with God. It, it's, it's, it's one of those things. It's, it's just, all I can tell you is church is God's idea. Let me just pray quickly. Jesus, I just pray that uh, we can experience you today. Lord, that this uh, Sunday is just significant because you make it significant. Uh, Lord, I just pray that you'd heal people, that you'd connect people. Lord, that you would uh, help us to do what it is that you want us to do. Lord, you know what's important in our lives. Uh, sometimes we think the wrong things are important. But Lord, if we allow you to direct our lives Lord, it really does go well for us. And so, Lord, I pray for each person here today that you would direct their lives, that you'd be involved in their lives, and, Lord, that they would experience your love, that you love them, and you know them, and you will direct them. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Uh, we've been doing a series called uh, Me to We, uh, and uh, hopefully you've been e enjoying it. Uh, and I, because I said maybe you don't remember last week's sermon, I just want to remind you that Stephen preached and he spoke about uh, the, from the book of Acts and uh, he was mentioning the, 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 the town of Philippi and relating to that. And if you uh, a sort of a Bible student or if you like really track uh, preaching, like uh, my friend over here, uh, you will notice that there's method to the madness and here's the method to the madness. I'll just give you the sort of the inside track, the secret uh, pastor's uh, theme behind this. The topic is uh, me to we. And we're going through the book of Acts. 
and uh, we take a section. So today I'm going to be looking at Acts chapter 19, and it relates to Ephesians. So I'll, I'll preach a little bit out of the chapter 19, and then I'll jump over to Ephesians and talk about all that happens in Ephesians. So you kind of get the book of Acts, and then you start in one of the, the books of the Bible, which, by the way, uh, is a great way of reading the Bible. You, uh, so you might be at a, a place where you just have gotten kind of bored or you're not able to read the Bible daily or you'd like to, but it's like, how do I do it? Well, here's one suggestion. Pick up the book of Acts and just start reading through it. And then when it mentions another city like Philippi, then stop where you're reading and then go and read the book of Philippi. When you finish that, carry on reading through Acts. And then you get to Ephesians, where we are today. Stop reading Acts, then read uh, Ephesians. I mean, I'm just trying to encourage you to read your Bible daily, and that's one way to do it. But um, let's jump right in. This really is a, a, great, uh, a great part of the Bible. Uh, I'll just go to tell you up front, it's a little controversial uh, from a theological standpoint, uh, not from any other reason. Uh, but it's a great part of the Bible. Uh, let me uh, explain. Let me read. So Acts chapter 19, verse, uh, I'll start right at the beginning, verse 1. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior region until he reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found several believers. And then this uh, very curious uh, verse, verse 2. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. Now, I find this really interesting because it's like, wait, Paul, you can't just like, or, you know, Luke writing the book, you can't just like say a statement like that. I need to know more. You, Paul couldn't have just showed up, saw somebody for one minute and said, hey, why is the Holy Spirit not in you? I, 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 I think it's like something else was happening, but I don't know what else was happening. And I want to know. It's like, what did... The Apostle Paul noticed was absent when he showed up and met these believers. Because, like in short measure, he's saying, wait, you claim to be a follower of Jesus, but there's something missing here, and it's kind of important. He said, like, where the heck is the Holy Spirit in your life? But what was Paul noticing that the Holy Spirit wasn't there? It was clearly a problem because he's like, you know, in classic Paul style, he's not mincing words. He like gets straight to the point. He's like, dudes, where's the Holy Spirit? You've got like a half, half belief here. So I, I, I don't know what was missing, but clearly something was missing. And then that, of course, gets my brain going on a whole other direction. It's like, Am I missing something in the Holy Spirit? Uh, what about everybody else here in church? Are we aware of the Holy Spirit like Paul is? Uh, would we notice somebody else is a believer but not really filled with the Spirit? Uh, how do we become filled with the Spirit? Uh, what difference would that even make? Would we even notice if the Holy Spirit wasn't in our lives or wasn't in the church? I mean, it just brings up, you know, those sort of questions. Nothing big. Um, so anyway, they say, no, they replied, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Now, 
It's kind of interesting because today everybody would say, Oh, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But I got to tell you that for many Christians, it would be God the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And if you ask them, Well, what does the Holy Spirit do? That's a, I don't know, it's just God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, how do you, do you pray to the Holy Spirit? Do you talk to the Holy Spirit? Uh, no, that sounds weird. I, I, I pray to Jesus and I talk to Jesus. What about God the Father? You know what I mean? Like, so you sort of, like I said, this is a theological discussion. Uh, it's very exciting if you like theology. It's like the Trinity, trying to figure it out. But it is important, and I think it is kind of like Paul. I think there are a lot of Christians that just don't seem to have the Holy Spirit. There's something that's not there. Uh, and it should be there. And, you know, here in the vineyard, we would say that we we receive the Spirit, but it sometimes just kind of leaks out of us. I mean, it's not great theology, but it's great practical understanding, where sometimes you feel really close to the Spirit, and sometimes you don't. And there's the need to kind of get recharged or refilled. And and you know it when when the Spirit of God is just present in your life. And it's something we should desire. It should be normal uh, Christian life to experience the love of the Father, to be, you know, knowing about Jesus, being feel like God has uh, saved us through Jesus dying on the cross, but that we also experience the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's, this is what Paul was picking up on. But this, this is not the end of this controversial section of Scripture. If, if you think that's, that's it, I'm just getting going. That's just verse 2. So anyway, they say, no, they replied, we haven't even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. And then Paul asks this crazy question. Okay, so just think about this. So you're speaking to somebody and they say, no, we haven't even heard about the Holy Spirit. But what would you then say to them? Or what would you then ask them? (laughs) Probably not what Paul's about to ask them. He says to them, then what baptism did you experience? He asked. <laughs> baptism? Now I've like, got a whole bunch more questions. Like, wait, okay, now we're talking about baptism and the Holy Spirit. And he's clearly asking about a baptism like, you know, like when you get baptized in water. And so this kind of gets your head spinning another direction. What happens when we get baptized? Uh, is it just like, you know, we go in the tank and we come out and that's it? Or maybe when we read a scripture like this, it's like, wait, there's actually something significant that happens that we might not fully understand, that when we obey God, good things happen. And I think this is sort of the point. When we obey God and we do what God wants us to do, to get baptized once we've said we believe, Good things start happening, even if we don't fully understand them. But for Paul, he's like, hey, you don't have the Holy Spirit. And they say, no, we haven't heard about it. Okay, so what kind of baptism did you have? Why would ask that question? I'm not sure, but he's the Apostle Paul. And then they give a very interesting answer. They say, we got the baptism of John. And then Paul's like, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, John's baptism, baptism called for repentance from sin. But John, this is John the Baptist, himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. So this is an interesting situation 
uh, because it's you know the beginning of the church is the beginning of uh, as the church is getting going. So Jesus is on the scene and he's being baptized by John the Baptist, and word is spreading and people are believing in Jesus. He hasn't probably died yet, but the word is getting out and and. You know, he has a bunch of believers in the city of Ephesus, and they heard about that part, but they probably didn't know about Jesus dying and being resurrected and receiving his Holy Spirit. Uh, and so now Paul is catching up with them, and he's uh, trying to fill them in and saying, no, you need to have a proper baptism. And uh, so, well, let me just read this. So he says, as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they get baptized, and they get baptized in Jesus. And then again, this is so frustrating for a preacher's standpoint. Why do you say you got baptized in Jesus? We know from the Gospel of Matthew that the Great Commission says, you don't get baptized in the name of Jesus. You get baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all of them. Oh, okay, well, it's just theology. I mean, No, it's kind of important. It's like... This is so interesting to me. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. Now they get baptized <laughs> in Jesus. Okay, it's small. It's, I'm, making, I'm making fun of something. But no, when we get baptized, we really do receive the whole package. You know, when we receive Jesus, we receive the whole package, or we should. And, uh, and that's why I said this is a controversial um, passage. But then look what happens. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus... And then Paul lays his hands on them. The Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Wait. Okay, so when did they receive the Holy Spirit? When Paul laid hands on them? When they got baptized? When they believed? And uh, depending on which denomination you're in, uh, they'll have a different answer to this uh, dilemma. Because this... Is sort of like the exception to the rule. If you study languages, there's always those annoying exceptions to the rule. Well, the rule, and we're going to go right into Ephesians to get the rule of this, is that normally when you receive Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit, you get the whole package. But then there's also the sense of, okay, but some people just seem to not have like the joy and the, and so we need to pray for them to receive the Holy Spirit, and that's. That's the interesting and perhaps the controversial part. So uh, let me just uh, read you Ephesians 1.13. And when you believed in Christ, He identified you as His own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom He promised long ago. And that would be the normal pattern. Like when you receive Christ... And you receive him, you know, understanding who he is and understanding that you're not perfect and that you're a sinner and you, and you acknowledge to God that you're not perfect and you ask Jesus into your life. You're asking the Holy Spirit to come into your life. That would be the normal pattern. But then, as I said, you know, it's important that we also stay like filled with the Spirit. And there's something about it when people lay their hands on you and pray for the Holy Spirit to come that things happen. So we do that too. So I, I'd encourage you, uh, maybe as I'm preaching, you, you might want to think about getting baptized. You might want to think about asking Jesus into your life. Uh, you might want to think about, you know, having somebody lay hands on you and uh, 
receive the Holy Spirit again. Even if you've received it before, it's again and again and again because we need God regularly. Okay, so as I said, um, this is Ephesians that we're going to be jumping into. But I do want to make the point that you cannot do faith alone. Uh, you are meant to do, f- you know, this walk with Jesus in the church. And uh, if I'm reading a controversial piece of uh, scripture, I'm going to say something controversial. You cannot do faith alone. You can't just do you and Jesus or you, Jesus, and Zoom. Uh, I know you think you can. I know you think I can just pray to Jesus. I can just connect to Zoom and get the greatest preachers. uh, And I'm going to be just great. Let me tell you, you cannot do faith alone. It might frustrate you, or if you're listening to me online, annoy you, that you have to do church, if you're going to have a full, meaningful relationship with Jesus, through the church. And the reason is because that's the way God ordained it. God makes himself known through the church. And when we say, no, it's just me and Jesus, your vibrancy for Jesus and for God will fade. Now, your knowledge might increase because you can do that, but that's not the same. All these things that happen in church that I just described beforehand, like, you know, the connections with people, experiencing God powerfully, uh, your work relationship, they all happen through church. And they kind of often happen accidentally through church. But it's not accidental to God. Let's jump into uh, Ephesians. And I, you know, if I was a good preacher, I'd just do three points and, and, and make it real clear. But I just, I'm still learning and... Uh, Give me some grace. So I'm going to make four points, and I'm going to do it really quickly uh, so that I can not hold you up too long because I know you're excited to go and unpack uh, bags and get your pizza up at Donkey's afterwards, which will be fun. No, but Ephesians 1, 22, 23, it says this. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and made him the head over all things for the benefit of the church and the church is his body it is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself friends you cannot do church you cannot do faith alone you are meant to be part of God's family through the church church is Jesus' body okay it's mysterious second point we are the church not the building we are the church and we are part of Christ's body it says this in Ephesians uh, 2.10 for we are God's masterpiece he has created, created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he has planned in advance for us to do now wait We are the church, and from God's perspective, we are His masterpiece. Okay, Beth, you are His masterpiece. You're not a failure. You're not like, you know, a second-class citizen. God's masterpiece. I mean, think of it. 
God's masterpiece. <laughs> I mean, if we look at ourselves and we think, wait, we are God's masterpiece. God sees us. We've got to adjust our viewpoint of who we are so that it lines up with the way God sees us. We are God's masterpiece. Friends, he's talking to somebody today. You are God's masterpiece. You are not a failure. You're not broken. You're not less than. You are God's masterpiece. Just breathe that in for a while. Get in tune with what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. The way God sees you. He does not see you as a failure. He sees you as His masterpiece. It's, it's God's view. Together, as masterpieces, we are His house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Jesus Himself. He's what holds it all together. He's the cornerstone. And of course, it's using imagery from the Old Testament, from the temple. And it's blending in this new imagery. They're saying, no, we are the temple. We are the, uh, are the, ch the church. And it's Jesus' church. And it says, together we are His house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Jesus Himself. We are carefully joined together in Him, becoming a holy temple, through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of the dwelling of God, um, where God lives by his Spirit. So again, Old Testament uh, saying, hey, you guys, outsiders, us Gentiles, we're part of what God was doing originally with the Jewish people, and we are brought into the family, and we are blended in. But the important part here is that we are carefully joined together in him. Have you ever done a jigsaw puzzle and there's one piece missing when you get to the end? It's really annoying. I mean, it's just like not complete. That's what it feels like for us as pastors when you don't show up to church. It's like it's super annoying. It's like, you know, Sunday's just not complete. Now, I know I don't get a chance to talk to every one of you and whatever not, but it's like God has designed us to be together, to like somehow other, we all, when we lobby, when we mix in the lobby and we do things, God is doing something. It seems like casual conversation. But no, we are making uh, connections, relationships. God has joined us together in a masterful way. The third of four points. As part of church, we experience God and we are fitted together. Look, I, I'm going to repeat this verse because I know I repeated it a few times before and I know it gets people a little bit wound up. But I'm going to say it anyway. Ephesians 3.19, because it's the Word of God. May you experience the love of Christ. And this is what gets people wound up. I stand on this verse. You have to, you need to, you must experience God. You need to experience the Holy Spirit. It's not okay to just hear about God. You need to experience God. Okay, and here's the verse. You need to experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Man, so much of this stuff, it's like too great to fully understand. And it's very difficult preaching it because I don't fully understand it. And yet I've got to preach it. I mean, I just tell you God's love is incredible, but I don't fully understand it. I don't fully understand the way God moves. Thank goodness, because then I'd be God and that would be like terrible. I'm glad God's God and we can just experience God's love. Ephesians uh, 4, 15, 16. Christ 
who is head of the body, the church, also the cornerstone, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. As each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. You've got a part to play. You don't have to preach. You don't have to be on the worship team. But it's great if you do. But you've got a part to play. God is working through you. Just let Him. You don't have to figure it all out. You just like show up and just let the Spirit of God do what the Spirit of God does. If you try and figure it all out, you'll miss it. Because you won't figure it all out. But you do need to figure out, like, I need to show up. I mean, if you don't show up, then you're not part of anything. You know, and it's not just like the church, uh, our church does church alone. We do church together. We're part of the Vineyard USA, and we enjoy the relationships we have with the other churches. And uh, I enjoy the relationship as I'm working, doing missions work in Spain with the Vineyard churches in Spain. And I'm enjoying having the mission that, you know, the churches in Spain uh, come out here occasionally and connect with us when the pastors or people come visit us. Uh, it's the body being the body where we all fit together and we're all part of a bigger family. Why don't I have the worship team uh, come on up uh, while I make this uh, last point? And this is probably the reason why I am just, have always been passionate about church. Uh, because I don't know why, uh, but this concept struck me early. And it seems like it hasn't struck a lot of Christians. Uh, I don't understand why there's this disconnect. But this is the point Jesus died for you. Almost every Christian gets that. Uh, once you've, you've heard it, Jesus died for you. But the part that many don't get is that Jesus died for the church. And for that reason, I've always just been passionate about the church because I realized that Jesus is into something other than just ourselves. He's into the whole church. He died for the church. Now, I get it with the criticism of the church. Believe me, as a clergy, I mean, I get it a lot. People have a very low opinion of the church. People that aren't believers. Uh, people actually hate the church. Uh, I mean, I met a guy last week and he unloaded on me. I mean, just unloaded on me. And I'm like, whoa. Okay, I, I, I hadn't met this guy for like 20 years. And uh, I'm like, okay, I need to have another discussion with you because the hatred that you're pouring out at me, I mean, he was attacking me and the church. I said, like, something's happened. Now, I agree that the church has done a lot of terrible things and a lot of problematic things. But you can't throw the baby out of the bathwater. Let's just, let's just read this text first. Ephesians 5, 23 through 30 Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. Christ loved the church. He gave his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. Friends, what you don't see on TV is all the good things that the church is doing. You don't see all the lives that have been transformed and how those transformed people are making a very positive impact in their community and in their families and their lives. You don't hear about that. You only hear about the, the terrible things that happen and, 
and it gets a disproportionate uh, opinion. But I am saying this. This scripture tells us that the church will be corrected and the leaders that mess up will be corrected by God himself. And the way that gets corrected is by the power of the word. The word of God, the Bible, is, is well, as it says here, I can't say it any better, uh, is washed, the body is made clean, washed by the cleansing word of God. You can see every church which has failed, they violated the word of God. And so the word of God will correct the workings of God. It's not an excuse. Uh, we, I, I can't excuse what the church has done. But I do say that I love the church. And I do say that God is head of the church. And I do say that Jesus will correct the church. And I do say that the church has been going for 2,000 years. And I can promise you that the church is going to continue to go until Jesus returns. And you have an option of being part of something that's absolutely holy, absolutely crazy, absolutely unbelievable even though it can be messed up with leaders, got, it's, it's mysterious. But there's something remarkable about the church. Your lives will be transformed. So uh, let, me just, uh, let me just end there and say this. Uh, I just pray that God will speak to each one of you and that your life would be blessed as Jesus intends it that your life would be full and it would be meaningful uh, and I just pray that God encounters you today mm-hmm.